Greetings all and welcome to the Courageous Path podcast with me, Rachel Horton White and Soulful Work Intuitive Consulting. You can learn more about me at www.soulfulworkconsulting.com and don't forget to subscribe or follow this podcast here to get the latest interviews as they come up. I am an intuitive coach, spiritual teacher, and writer. I work with people searching to uncover who they really are and what they're meant to be doing. Merging the spiritual with the everyday through thoughts, emotions, and energy, I support people like you to break through stuck patterns and find your true inner self. I hope you enjoy today's interview. I am so excited today to share an interview with Kimberly Coburn. Kimberly is an Atlanta-born, Atlanta-based writer, organizer, and educator. She has spearheaded several grassroots initiatives connecting individuals with the local food movement, as well as serving on the board of local and national sustainability nonprofits. In 2013, Kimberly founded the Homestead Atlanta, an education initiative dedicated to fostering resilient communities through self-reliance and sustainability education. She was honored in 2015 as a National Arts Strategies Creative Community Fellow and has undertaken personal studies with internationally renowned leaders, including Joanna Macy. In our interview today called Remembering the Power of Our Own Hands, Kimberly and I talk about how so many of us are longing just to make something with our hands, to get back in touch with the basic human desires from years past of just to plant something and make something and create something. And through Homestead Atlanta, Kimberly has created an initiative that does just that. This movement away from consumerism, globalism, materialism, Um, is really bringing us back to the basic essence of human-scaled living and self-reliance. And in my view, this interview is particularly close to my heart, as I view it as a key component of our massive shift in consciousness to an age of unity, shared understanding, and coming from a place of love for each other and for the earth. It is my hope through Kimberly's work and through other initiatives that may bubble up around the country and the world based on Homestead Atlanta, we all may start sharing food with our neighbors more, or growing vegetables organically in our yards, or just learning basic skills like beekeeping or knitting. I hope this will fuel our souls and our hearts in more ways than we can ever know to help bring this new era of connection, love, and healing to each other and to the planet. Hope you enjoy. Good afternoon, Kimberly. Hi. It's so good to be connecting with you again after we um, ran into each other or literally were placed next to each other on the airplane <laughs> to Albuquerque. And I think it was a book I was reading, a Joanna Macy book, that we, uh, it was just amazing, those magical synchronistic experiences how we connected and found out we were going to the same workshop work that reconnects workshop with joanna macy and um and in that conversation i was uh fascinated to hear about the work that you're doing in atlanta uh with sustainability and back to the earth with homestead atlanta so i'd love to hear about what it is that you are doing there 
Yeah, so I started the Homestead Atlanta about four years ago, um, and it kind of just connects everyday people with self-reliance and sustainability skills education opportunities. So we're kind of your go-to folks if you want to learn anything from how to plant a garden to how to create herbal remedies, uh, learning everything from knitting to basic blacksmithing or woodworking. We try to offer kind of a wide variety of hands-on experiences from experts around the city just to let people kind of dive in wherever it makes sense for them. Mm -hmm. So how did you, what sparked the, the desire in you to create this? It's funny because people tend to ask me, you know, oh, did you grow up on a farm or did you grow up canning with your grandmother? And the reason I wanted to start it is because I didn't do any of those things and neither did any of my friends. So uh, we found there was kind of this skills gap there and we wanted to, make things. I think things are just starting to feel increasingly out of control, out of our control um, in society and making things as such a fundamental way to reacquaint people with their capacity for creation. You know, using your hands is pretty much as basic and human as it can possibly get. So um, selfishly, I started the homestead because I wanted to learn all of these skills, um, but kind of on a more community level, I really wanted to find a way to reacquaint people with the idea that they're producers rather than just consumers um, and let them sort of empower them to experience that more. Yeah. And it's, I'm just, I'm wondering, how did you start this in the first place? You know, did you just kind of run into people that were doing, <laughs> that had skills and just say, do you want to offer some workshops or a little like, bit. Um, yeah. I, well, there was a, a folk school up in North Carolina called the John C. Campbell Folk School, and I've gotten their catalog since I was 14. Hmm. And they have workshops and everything under the sun. It's a really remarkable place. Um, but I wanted something that I didn't have to take vacation time and a whole lot of money to do. I wanted something that I could integrate into my lifestyle. And I figured if I wanted that, there had to be other people who did too. Um, and I had had a volunteer group called Crop Mob Atlanta, where we went and volunteered on different farms. And through that, I developed a relationship with a local nonprofit called Georgia Organics. And mm. so that was kind of a great relationship. And at that point, I said to them, you know, I, I really want to start something that's like a folk school, but in an urban environment. And they kindly gave me the opportunity to get going. They said, you know, do you want to use us as your 501c3 fiscal sponsor, and then you can just start with programming. And I was thrilled at that prospect. Mm. So that let me just kind of hit the ground running and see how it could go. Um, and really finding instructors was incredibly easy. I, I don't know, it might just be Atlanta so big, I'm not sure, but I, I really had very little trouble finding really fantastic people. Um, and then over the last four years, obviously kind of finding the people who really resonate with it and, and have a great connection. Um, but yeah. So, and I'm just thinking for people that are listening who might be inspired to create something similar where they are, the way you operate it is you have memberships. Is that right? For members and, yeah. and they, and then they can choose what workshops they go to. We are actually kind of in the midst of shifting how we do it. And that's wow. why starting as a 501c3 under another nonprofit's umbrella was perfect because it really gave us the flexibility to kind of move and shake and see what would work best. And I'm still in an experimental phase, but it started where we just had our own workshops. 
and people mm. would come and Georgia Organics members got a discount. Um, but as time went by, I realized that our instructors could probably make a bit more money by running their own workshops. Mm. Um, and we just kind of become this in-between that connects, we're like a hub that connects mm -hmm. community members with all of these different educational opportunities that are happening. So we keep our membership levels low. I mean, it's $5 a month. And then we provide, you know, member opportunities, cool hangout stuff, but also we get discounts with the different instructors um, across the city. So that way, instead of, I felt like I was reinventing the wheel a little bit. There were instructors that were already having their own workshops and we were having them run separate workshops. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. So now we're kind of this connector between the community yeah. and the craftspeople. And I think that that's something that's easier and something that's easier, more easily replicated in other cities too. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's just, I think you know, you're, it sounds like that's an essential role there. I mean, the people that are offering the workshops, they probably don't want to spend the time doing the marketing and, you know, the, so you do that for them in a sense and connect people and tell them, help them find these workshops in the first place. Right. They're pretty busy folks, people who are trying to yeah. be artists and get by and share their education with people. You know, it's, it's a tall order to expect them to be able to, you know, reach a yeah. market as big as Atlanta at the yeah. same time. Well, it's so it's inspiring to hear how you just made this happen. So it's, <laughs> oh, it's awesome. So I'm thinking about, um, you know, I'm in Maine, you're in Georgia and, and, you know, um, I run into a lot of people here that want to learn more about, you know, organic gardening, uh, beekeeping, permaculture, knitting, canning, herbal medicine. Um, and, you know, there's this craving for that. But I think it, people tend to come up with sometimes, I don't say come up with, but life tends to get in the way and, sure. um, you know, busyness with jobs or, um, anything else going on. So how do, you know, how have you seen that people find time or create time to, to make this back to the basics skill building a priority? I think the best thing you can do is just start small. A lot of times people are like, I'm going to revolutionize how I live. I'm going to become a homesteader. And you're just kind of like, you need to slow your roll because yeah. you're going to burn out. Um, but just really planting a couple herbs on your balcony or deciding to make one holiday present instead of buying it. Um, these skills are really, really addicting. The, you start kind of going down rabbit holes and your love for them grows. Um, you know, maybe you start with knitting and then suddenly you want to know, how do I make my own yarn to knit with? Or how do I dye my own yarn to knit? So, I mean, it starts, it kind of grows of its own accord. But if you try to take that all on at once, it really is a bit um, yeah. overwhelming. You know, I mean, yeah. we, especially because you have to be intentional about this now, you have to seek out that education. Whereas, you know, for a very long time, we'd be raised with certain parts just kind of built in. Right. And then you could find what calls to you, or maybe your grandfather was a cabinet maker. So you have a lot of access to woodworking knowledge or something like that. Right. Um, but now I think just, you know, start small and find, find what sings to your heart, find that craft that you're like, I really enjoy this. And when you put it down, you sort of want to go pick it up again, because mm -hmm. it won't be everything. And really, that's why 
the idea of homesteading is appealing to me is I'm a jack of all trades and master of none. I am really good at being basically proficient in a ton of stuff because I'm just kind of, I'm curious and I want to go and play and do, and I don't really master any one skill. And that sort of homesteading is one of the places where that sort of breadth of information rather than depth is good. You can also obviously explore forever. And that's why I, I admire um, our instructors so much. I mean, our herbalist is just an encyclopedia, a walking encyclopedia of herbal knowledge. And our blacksmith can make literally anything out of metal. So, I mean, these people are just brilliant human beings. So, yeah. And that's their yeah. purpose and their passion. And you have, I think, you know, um, like you mentioned homesteading and that's, it's a rec- back when people were living off purely off the land and some people still do that now it's it's essential to have a variety of skills especially if you don't if you don't have the access access to all of Mm -hmm. you know food that comes from a supermarket or so on and so what i've noticed um in my work and i mentioned this to you before is that people left and right everywhere i come in contact you with just tell me they just want to make something with their hands. They want to build something. They want to get in touch. They want to like physically touch the earth. And I've noticed that this is just, this is happening everywhere because we've become so separated from that working in buildings and, you know, being so connected to computers, which technology has its advantages, but, um, but we've become so disconnected from each other and from the earth. So, I see it as this great shift in consciousness. And as a lot of people talk about that in the spiritual world. And, um, but I see your work as this huge, um, hugely, hugely important component to that. And, um, yeah, just wondering how, how do you see it? Or do you think about it that way at all in that spiritual sense? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's funny cause that, that is the angle I, came at it from well not Mm. not initially initially I really just wanted to learn these different skills to be honest but um quickly I realized it was less about whether some any given person knows how to knit and really more about that they I don't know that it's basically it's a return to human scaled living You know, it's just sort of like modern life forces us into this global economy and this sense of dependence and this constant consumerism. And it's just, I'm helping people remember the power of their own hands is such a great first step, entry level, comfortable way to ease into the idea of a more sustainable way of life. Um, everybody loves to make things. So it doesn't have to be this kind of big consciousness shift. It can be a simple choice of how to make some, something with your hands. And I hope the consciousness shift sort of starts to happen on a subterranean level. Um, and that's been one of my personally, one of my biggest challenges is I can't know if that's happening in people that just, it either does or it doesn't. And I have to have faith that, that, you know, everything we're championing is slower and on a natural pace. And so it'd be silly to think that, oh, we're teaching you how to knit and do blacksmithing. And suddenly you're going to have these revelations and be an amazing champion for sustainable living. Um, 
when really that's, it's a slow grow. You, yeah. you kind of start with one thing and suddenly you realize, oh, that's, that's not how I expected that system to work. Um, mm-hmm. That's how I started with food. That was kind of my entry level mm-hmm. as I realized that how broken our food system was. And then that was the crack in the door that I pushed open and saw, oh, a lot of things um, are not as they seem. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I imagine there are many people, sorry, I remember, imagine there are many people who, if you could like follow them or, you know, that they would, they would say that it was a workshop they found through you all, you know, that, that started a lifelong passion for something. I <laughs> sure hope so. That would make me immensely happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's just that kind of element of being like, well, but you do see it. You see it in people, especially some of, I've seen it in, oddly, in some of our blacksmithing classes, which are immensely popular. It's almost like people are sort of reclaiming their sense of themselves through it. Yeah. Yes. Um, there, yeah. There's just something fundamental about working with your hands that reconnects us with ourselves and really, and really reconnects with a true sense of community. I mean, we kind of have lost that genuine barn raising sense of community because we don't need our neighbors anymore mm-hmm. necessarily. So doing this kind of work um, really reacquaints us with how much it helps to to do work with other people, whether it's canning or things like that. And also it's just working with your hands. Your brain is your brain is busy, you know, while you knit one pearl one and it sort of opens up your heart for a more genuine connection. It kind of takes the ego out of it. So I've I've had wonderful experiences of seeing people from radically different walks of life working together to learn a new skill in ways that I'm like, I wonder if those people would ever be sitting next to each other this contentedly in another, you know, situation. Yeah. I imagine it's just not only therapeutic on an individual or like a level, like almost meditative, but like you just said, it's, it's this common thread that, you know, we're everybody in this one moment, the people in that workshop have this common human experience. So they're all craving doing this one thing and all the other, all the other, you know, um, external falsities, I guess, mm-hmm. are kind of fall away. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just getting back to the basics, which I, you know, I think I, my sense is that what you're doing is people are going to start doing this more and more all over the country and the world. And well, I uh, hope it's, it's yeah. really fun, which is a great way of hoping things will spread. You know, people are always the things you should do. Um, but it's really, it's a nice little bonus when the things that help move this stuff forward are, are truly enjoyable. Yeah. Well, and that's what life is about. It's, it's not, we're not meant to just, you know, uh, be stressed a lot of the time <laughs> or work all the time and in, um, in a contained you know, space that doesn't have a lot of air circulation right. and, and alone in front of a computer all day. Like we're, we're meant to connect with our people are meant to get outside as much as possible. And so yeah. you're just moving people one close, step closer to that. And, and so, I, you know, I've, I've been talking with people a lot here in Maine um, who want so badly, you mentioned community to connect with their neighbors and, you know, even if they don't need to borrow eggs or, you know, just, go over and share dinner together that they want to do that anyway. And so, like you said, we're, some of us right now here are talking about how to intentionally do that more. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering if you've seen that all at, at happen at all in Georgia, or if you have any sort of vision for how that, you know, 
from taking it from like a workshop or individual skill building, building to a larger scale of like communities working together right. on in a sustainable community type of thing. I it's interesting because I actually don't think Atlanta is the ideal place to have something like this. It's a bit too large and spread out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a smaller a smaller size town would be perfect because then then I think things would organically form, you know, people, it would go from being a knitting workshop to being a knitting group. And suddenly the same people get together. And, and I have seen that some, um, of where, you know, after a, especially the series workshops, when you see the same people, you know, for a couple weeks, they'll decide to just keep meeting and, and doing stuff together. Um, but in a place as big as Atlanta, where you really see it, blooming is in neighborhoods because our neighborhoods kind of become that sort of proper human scale size of, you know, so it's really just, it's interesting to see it adapt for whatever space it has to be, to be the right size that makes sense for people. I don't know. It's almost, it's kind of a, an intangible, but there is this sort of sense of a certain size that really lets people engage in community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's at the same like time. Scale. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. at the same time though, we'll have people who they have a certain um, category of classes or type of classes that they're really into. And they'll start to see each other over and over again, you know, and start to develop relationships through that where they live in totally different parts of the city and probably never cross paths. Um, you know, it, it really, that part is again, one of the things that sort of happens outside of my purview and I can only hope that it continues to grow. It's partly why, so we just started, um, our membership right at the end of last year. So I'm hoping to start having, starting with quarterly and then maybe monthly membership meetups where it's just to get together, have a few drinks, get to know one another, um, just to do that exact thing. Yeah. Really to facilitate that sense of community in a city that's truly enormous. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's almost like I imagine people could take, they just take what they learn in the workshops back to their own communities. And, you know, then yes. they start having a potluck, a weekly or monthly potluck with their friends and neighbors. And then, you know, teach each other some of the things they did, learned more organically. And um, and I want to do that here in Maine. <laughs> yes. And that's you know, the goal. That's totally that. the goal. Yeah. You know, I I would love if I I would love if we were not needed. Do you know what I mean? I would love if this kind of education was spreading organically and hopefully if we keep it alive and keep it restored it will. Yeah. Um but yeah, for people to to learn it and share it is the best thing in the entire world. And I love I do see that. I'll see people come, take a workshop and then I'll, they'll be like, oh, I'm holding a workshop in this, in my community, and it makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. So cool to see. Um, because it used to be through families that we kept these skills alive. So now we have to kind of be more conscientious and deliberate about it. Right. It reminds me of like play dates. Like before, when I grew up, it was like, you just play <laughs> with the kids across the street, you know, whoever's outside. But now we have to like schedule play dates, you know, right. <laughs> like drive a kid to somebody's house. And it has to be much more intentional. Um, which is kind of too bad, but it's also, you know, that's just our modern society. So I'm wondering that, I'm just wondering about, I'm thinking about your own, 
your your own personal experience with these workshops. Do you have? I mean, I'm just curious. Do you have anything that you've really gravitated towards, or you know, that you really enjoy doing? Like, is it knitting or you know? Um, I I came into it liking to dabble. So I've uh, anything that's sort of a a hands-on craft. I love to try, Mm -hmm. and I found that some things I'm not very good at. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not fantastic at blacksmithing or basketry. Um, but I also learned through the basket weaving class, there is no such thing as a, a machine made basket. Every basket you see Mm. in your entire life has been woven by somebody's hands. So even though basket making might not have been for me learning that fact, I will never look at a basket the same way again. You know, Mm. I have seeing any basket, I have an immediate connection with whoever made that basket because I know how hard it was to make a basket and they just, you know, can whip up these beautiful things and you'll see them in an island goodwill and you just, it, it changes how you look at the world. Yeah. Um, I really, I've, I've definitely greatly enjoyed all of our herbal medicine workshops. We have a wonderful herbalism program. Um, this fantastic woman named Lorna Moni Brodeck, she goes by the herbalista, uh, is a practicing herbalist and really focuses on healthcare equality, bringing healthcare to, um, underserved communities in the city. So we've been able to develop a really neat program with her where we have pay it forward medicine making classes where people will learn different things, but instead of taking them home, they'll make them in the class and then donate them to the, her mobile apothecary. And that way it's Mm -hmm. providing, um, Mm -hmm. homeless communities with healthcare. And I would love to figure out more workshops that do that, where you learn the skill, but the what you make goes back into the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I've always loved that. Yeah. Um, let's see. I've You're a writer have... too, right? You write. That's something with your hands. <laughs> I do. I do. That's my secret thing yeah. to do, you know, sequestered in my office. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, yes. And I actually would like to write more stuff inspired by these experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and cool. actually hope, I'm considering starting a separate thing that would be run through the homestead, but kind of has its own category of sort of facilitating workshops that are a little bit more conversation based and a little bit more exploratory, kind of like the Joanna Macy work that you and I have been talking about. Um, But then tying it in with a concrete hands-on experience Um, so, you know, if we, because it, it, it's a, it's very heady to just get together and have these kind of philosophical discussions. Um, and I think by connecting it with a natural system, it not only gives you something to do with your hands, which, you know, frees, frees you up a little bit, but also reminds you that this is how nature works. So, I mean, I, I would love to, I was thinking about one that would be something like discussing the fertility of darkness, you know, that darkness, we, everybody's perceives darkness as a scary place, but really talking about how it's a a fertile space of growth Mm. and also doing mushroom inoculation, which is a place where you see in nature, the fertility of darkness. Wow. That sounds amazing. It'd be fun. I'm kind of playing with those ideas and then would love to, you know, start writing some essays based on what's gleaned from, from that experience. Oh, so we'll see. That's the big pipe dream. Yeah, so I'll just cool. do the, I'll do those, and then I'll hide Traveling for tour. yeah, for months and 
write about it. So oh, yeah, awesome. we'll see. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's very out there. So yeah. it's interesting to be doing out there things in the South. Um, right. Yeah. Well, you're near you're Atlanta and you're Athens. Atlanta, I went to grad yes. school in Athens, so I know how it, it's Atlanta different. is cosmopolitan, but it's yeah. still the South. And they right. like, you're doing what? It's <laughs> so, well, but, you know, it's always fun. It's needed. It's needed so badly. So, well, um, and I was born in the South. I mean, I was born in Atlanta. Yeah. And I had a love hate relationship with it for a really long time. And then realized that if I, didn't like certain aspects of it, I should seek to change them and improve it rather than just complain (laughs) and help people who are there, who are like you or people that want to grow and evolve and think, see things in a different way because they probably need it. (laughs) And a lot of times when people clue in in the South, they leave. So (laughs) it's true. So I'm kind of, I'm priding myself on staying put at least for some time. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, you're filling an important role. So any like things that you've experienced while in doing this, you know, bringing this incredible movement really to Atlanta and around, I mean, I, I want, I want to ask you about the challenges, but you know, both like the th- things that you've been so um, uplifted by, but also some of the unexpected challenges you've encountered. You know, it's been the most challenging thing simply is getting people to believe they have the time to do something like yeah. this. Atlanta is busy, busy, busy. It's a busy city. Um, and traffic is bad. (laughs) So, um, those are the, those are, you know, and for those to be your biggest challenges, you're doing pretty all right. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's been great. I, I've, and that's part of what has kept me continuing down that path is it's been easy. It's been easy to find amazing instructors. People have been generally very, very intrigued and interested and enjoyed their experiences. Um, yeah. And it's, it's great. There'll be just individuals that, that make you feel great, you know, who either thank you for it or talk about how they had always wanted to learn to sew from their grandmother, but she passed away before they could learn. And now they're learning, you know, there's just, there's kind of these things can have a lot more meaning than they seem to on the surface for a lot of people. And whenever I kind of tap into one of those moments, it feels magical. It feels really special. Yeah. Um, or we'll just have great. One of our instructors is 93 years old. <coughs> wow. I love her so much. Um, so it's things like that. You know, she has spent 50 years of her life perfecting how to make braided wool rugs. <coughs> Wow. And she came to me cool. and said, you know, I want to share this. I'm 93. I've got these cool skills. I want to share them with mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, moments like that are pretty great or especially our series classes when you'll see people really getting to know each other, um, mm-hmm. and growing together is, is really special stuff. Yeah. Um, Any words of advice you might have for other people who are looking to create something like you've done, a sustainable, ecologically harmonious community of people that are learning about skills to really reestablish their relationship with each other and with the earth? Or, you know, what like words of wisdom or little tidbits might you have <laughs> for people out there? I mean... I really think it sounds super simple and it is super simple. I think the best thing you can do is just be curious, Mm. you know, I mean, to find out how things are made and who makes them, um, figure out who the craftspeople are in your community because craftspeople 
love to talk about what they do. And it's also just endlessly entertaining to talk with them. So, I mean, it's, it's really just a matter of finding out who, who does this stuff and how did they find their way to it. And almost always, they might not have the proper setup to teach, but most people want to share those skills that they have with people, which is just wonderful. Um, so it's been wonderful to get to know those people and then connect them with one another. Mm -hmm. Um, the other day I connected a furniture maker with a blacksmith and they just, they went nuts. They were having a great time. So I'm sure there's some beautiful artistic thing in the works happening there. Um, and I guess in terms of individuals, I'd just say, you know, what I said before, which is just find, find the skills that sing to your heart and then learn them and share them and share your passion for them. You know, I think this is just such a vibrant thing. It's such a fertile, alive, enjoyable, abundant thing. Um, so just enjoy it. And other people kind of look at you and go, why is that person so happy? You know, when they want right. to go and be part of it. Yeah. Um, and I think just in general, on the whole, you know, because we get a lot of people being like, so are you preppers? Do you think the world's going to end? And I'm like, no, we're not preppers. Because preppers, I've never heard that. I've never you've heard, never that. heard of preppers. No, no. Because I'm up here in the Northeast. I don't know. Y'all are. Like that's because they're all preppers. They don't even need a like name for yeah, it. Right. Everybody in Maine is born a prepper. <laughs> yeah, um, we all have. Yeah, it's like a, apocalypse is coming. You gotta. Yeah, it's the people who get like canned goods and guns. Yep. Yep. Um, I know those. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I get it. I get there's that sort of pride and like, I'm ready. And if you're learning actual skills rather than just stockpiling cans and guns, then, you know, more power to you. But the thing that, that I always draw as a distinction is that is learning out of a sense of fear. Right. And right. everything we do is out of a sense of abundance. Mm. And right, especially right now, that is just a choice. That is a fundamental choice that we are faced with is do we look at the world as a place of scarcity and fear, or are we going to choose to look at the world as a place of abundance and learning? Absolutely. Um, so yeah. getting hands on, getting to know your neighbor, sharing this stuff is one of those ways that you really realize, you know what, this is, this is about abundance. Well, everything this you're is- doing Kimberly, is just, it, this work is so incredibly important. And I'm just, I'm so grateful to you for what you're sharing with your community. And, um, it's, it is going to have a ripple effect. It already is having a ripple effect. I have no doubt about it. And on that note, how can people find you? What's your website? Our website is www.thehomesteadatl.com. Is that right? Wait, no, hang on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and we're on Facebook and we're on Instagram. The homesteadatl.com. Okay. Homesteadatl.com. And there's lots of great articles on there that's been written about what you're doing. And um, so, all right, great. So if you happen Maybe. to be in the Atlanta area, check it out. And if not, yes. check it out anyway, because then you we have can things every learn. weekend. So just come on. <clears throat> great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Kimberly. It's been such an honor. No, it's been a joy. And thank you for what you do. It's just fantastic. Oh, well, you know, we're all playing our part. And uh, (laughs) mine, you play yours. So, all right, well, have a great day. Thanks. You too. 
Thank you for listening to this interview. I hope you enjoyed it. This has been the Courageous Path podcast, and don't forget to subscribe or follow it here. To learn more about me, you can find me at www.soulfulworkconsulting.com. And I'm Rachel Horton White of Soulful Work Intuitive Consulting. Hope to see you next time and have a wonderful day.